Good morning, everyone. It is great to be here with you all. And uh, we are continuing in this this awesome Better Together series for the book of Ephesians. And, you know, as as we're getting started today, uh, it's it's pretty common that many of us have feelings of anxiety, stress, worry, sometimes insecurity, even sometimes fear is, is a, kind of a bigger word that that is of fear. But, you know, as as I was thinking about that and thinking about feeling secure, um, you know, I, I wrote in my email this week, like the, the little pastor email that, that I had the chance to write because Dave's gallivanting around the world. Um, but uh, was I, I talked about uh, a little like I skin cancer below my eye surgery. I had to remove this skin cancer that I had below my eye and it's looking good. It was about a week ago. It's all feeling good, looking good. They got it all out. And, you know, nothing to, to fear. But I remember going into it. It was uh, this this thing where I just kind of thought it was no big deal, right? Like it was basal cell carcinoma, which is the not fast growing, not spreading, you know, it's like, okay, no big deal. And, and, you know, just got to, got to take care of it. Right. And so, uh, I remember then going in for the pre-op and I was just thinking like, okay, yeah, I don't know. You just have this thing removed and it's no big deal. And at the pre-op, I was talking to the doctor and, uh, I, I remember I, you had to have it removed. I had it removed on a Wednesday and then they would close it up because of how cl- close it is to my eye with a, a special ophthalmologist, kind of plastic surgeon person would close it up the next day. And that day was Thursday. I remember there was an elder meeting going to be that night that I was supposed to go to. And I was asking the doctor, hey, oh, yeah, so you think I didn't go to the meeting that night? You know, just thinking like no big deal to me. And then he, was, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa no, no, no. <laughs> You're supposed to. I tell people to take about a week off from this. And I remember in that moment, I was like, wait, wait a minute, what? You know, a, a week off? Like. I, I was just kind of thinking this was just, you know, no big deal. And I remember in that moment of hearing that week off thing, thinking, oh, gosh, I wasn't worried about this. But now I feel a little worried about this, you know, like there's that moment where the, the anxiety starts to build. And it wasn't fear. It wasn't that big, you know, but it was this, oh, gosh, I felt fine. And now I feel a little stressed. And then uh, then I even went in for the closure surgery. And then, and then the doctor said, which I don't know why I didn't catch this. Early on, I'm not very good at asking questions, apparently, but he said, oh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and put you to sleep. It's general anesthesia. And I was like, what? You know, wait a minute. What's going on? This is a bigger deal than I thought it was. And it was like a little more anxiety starts to to build up and a little worry, you know. And then I even remember taking the you had to let the after the surgery and all that. And you have to just let the bandage, little steri strips that were covering it just fall off. Like after you take a shower or whatever, just kind of naturally fall off. And I remember when they finally did, which was a week ago, last Sunday morning, and they fell off. And I was I remember looking at it and thinking, Oh gosh, it looks terrible. <laughs> and thinking, oh no, what am I gonna look like for forever, right? And and it's actually looking really good now, which I'm pretty uh, happy about. But uh, at that moment, I just was like, oh no, okay, what, what's going on? And just you know, those sorts of moments when you're not prepared for something, or you're not, you know, you haven't been thinking about this, and then something happens that causes us to feel worried or anxious or insecure or maybe even with bigger things where we begin to be filled with fear. And and so for us to be thinking about that and now everything's fine and everything's going well and yada yada yada. So, so you don't have to don't worry about me or whatever. So with all that, but uh you know, I We think about the future, and and even it doesn't matter what stage of life, when we're thinking about the future, we can be anxious. There was a, just last month was an interview with Dustin Hoffman, right? This great actor, two-time Oscar winner, done so many movies. This person, he's 77 years old now, Dustin Hoffman. And, you know, you think, like, 
what, what does he have to worry about, right? Like, what does he have to be when it comes to his career? But he was talking in an interview a month ago about being worried about the future of his career. And would he be able to get parts? And would he, would he somehow wreck the, the legacy that he has developed? And he was worried about that. And so it doesn't matter how much success we've had in life or what stage of life that we are at, young, or in the middle, or old, whatever that might be, you know, we can feel that sense of anxiety. And, and oftentimes it's about the future and just things that we cannot be prepared for, or we can't control, uh, you know, things that we can't, you know, we don't feel equipped to deal with. And uh, I use that phrase specifically because it's interesting, uh, according to Amazon, they have stats with their Kindle, you know, app, or the, if you get the Kindle and you read your books on a Kindle, they have statistics that they can track on what passages in books have been highlighted the most. And so you wonder, what was the most highlighted passage in any book on a Kindle? Okay, not just they don't somehow, they can't Google not yet, or Amazon, I mean, not yet with their drones, can't see just your regular books and to see, you know, how you are, you know, what you are highlighting, but soon they will. But, you know, what they... <laughs> what they, cause I think the drones are gonna get really small. But, um, what, what they do is they track, you know, what's the most highlighted. And you'd think it would be some classic or maybe even the Bible or something like that, but it's not. It was actually the second book of the Hunger Games series. Okay, this like young adult post-apocalyptic fiction. Okay, this book, uh, in the Hunger Games series. And it was this quote. It says, because sometimes things happen to people and they're not equipped to deal with them. That little sentence is twice as much as the second place passage has been highlighted. Because sometimes things happen to people and you're not equipped to deal with them. And it is in those moments when we feel that worry, that anxiety, and all that build up in our lives. And the passage that we're going to look at today in the book of Ephesians, as we're studying this incredible passage of scripture in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, you can start turning there, you can grab notes that are in your bulletin, the verses even written out in there under the main points. But Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 speaks to us in those moments when we feel anxious about the future on the very biggest subject that there is and it is how will we spend our eternity it is how secure can we feel about our salvation right and is god really enough can can we feel safe in that we might doubt we might wonder we might feel afraid even of what will take place and have i done enough have i earned enough from god or some some of those thoughts that creep into our mind and in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, we know that these past couple of weeks we've seen how God the Father has loved us and adopted us into his family. And then Jesus, the Son, has given us, lavished upon us the riches of his grace and mercy and redemption. And then in verse 13 it says, In him, Christ, in Christ, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Okay, so you've heard the gospel. You've heard the good news of Jesus and his saving grace that is this free gift that you are just to receive. After you've heard that, it says, now it says, having also believed, you were sealed. Okay, that point of you believed, that point of your conversion, salvation, you were sealed in him, in Christ, with 
the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And so this great passage speaks to us in that moment of insecurity, of worry, of, of anxiety about what will happen in the future. I'm not equipped to deal with this. I can't do this for myself or I want to know how I can do this for myself. God says, no, 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 you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. You are sealed in Christ. And we remember this is written to those Gentiles when it says you also speaking to the Gentiles living in Ephesus and in the region surrounding Ephesus, which you see on the right of the map up there. That's Asia Minor. And really this letter didn't just go to Ephesus and went to all these areas around them, most likely. And they were able to all take in this incredible message. But there are these people living in this place again that are, you know, they're not Jews. They're not in Israel. They're out in this area that's under the Roman Empire with all the Greek culture and gods and this worship of all these gods and they're, they're lived their whole life kind of thinking that they've got to appease the gods, right? You've got, you could gain favor with the gods by what you do or you could fall out of favor from the gods and you can, you know, you have this sense of I've got to do all of this, I've got to please all these gods with the way I live my life and all the things that I commit to, I have to make sure I'm making sacrifices to all these different gods. That's, you know, that's what they're living under. And then they hear this message that says, you're not going to fall out of favor. You're sealed. You're secure. You don't have to worry about, you know, whether these gods are pleased with you for this moment. And so we know that we can feel secure. Just like they did there, we want you sitting in this room right now to just, okay, feel secure. In the sealing of the Holy Spirit. That you can know. You can be assured. You can be safe and protected by the power of God through the Spirit of God. That in Him you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So a couple things with this. When are you sealed? Okay, You are sealed at that moment, it says, having also believed. Okay, belief here in this passage is that moment of conversion. It is at your point of salvation. This is the point that you have been saved and you are now sealed at that same point. That believing and being sealed are two sides of the same thing. Okay, that is that moment of convert conversion for you. And so you are now saved. And now we have to remind ourselves that in that first century mindset, that belief would never just be thinking something and never acting upon it, okay? Belief always had, you know, this, this mental, you know, intellectual assent, of course, but you would always then have action that would come from it, just logically. And it should be logical now that if you believe something, you would not just think it and then do nothing about it. That makes zero sense. So that our actions don't earn our salvation, but our actions display how we are saved, because when we believe believe something, we live it. We act on it, okay? And that would never have been something that they would have thought in that day you could have one without the other. Now, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, just we've just read this Ephesians 1 verse, okay? Now, just read with me and, and see this verse on the screen of 2 Corinthians 1, 21 to 22. It says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us 
and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Okay, so, you know, you see that almost direct parallel, exact same passage where he says the spirit has sealed us and is given to us as a pledge. And those are the things that we're going to talk about today, that we are all sealed. We are sealed by God, that we are God's own possession, it says, right? That we are God's own possession. And it makes me think that the way that God thinks of us in that way is we've been kind of brought into that that possession of God is, uh, it's like my wife's, uh, grandfather. There's a German man and had the accent, immigrated over, you know, barely spoke English even to the day he died. And, but he would always call us, uh, mein Schatzi. Okay. He would say mein Schatzi, which means my treasure. And it was like this such a beautiful, especially in his rich voice and accent, you know, oh, my Shotzi, darling, you know, and and uh, it was just so it was like this feeling. It just means my treasure. And I, I, I want us to sort of imagine God in, in that sort of voice speaking to you and saying, oh, Shotzi, darling, you know, I love you. You're my you're my treasure. And that's how God thinks of you. You know, in this moment, that's how God thinks of you. He doesn't think of you as wretched and awful, you know? God loves you and thinks of you as his, his beloved treasure. And, and we are God's own possession and he is, has us held secure and safe in him. And so what does this whole thing mean to be sealed, right? It is like a, it is this tight seal. It's like a jar that you can't open, right? That jar when I remember like, my wife, even this week, and, and after this whole surgery thing, they said, I can't lift anything more than 10 pounds for two weeks. And I even, like, I tried, I was at this event yesterday at a park outreach thing, and I tried to carry just two chairs under each arm, you know, and, like, folding chairs. And it, I carried them, like, 50 feet, and it hurt really bad. I was just like, it's so weird, you know? It's just weird that my eye hurts, you know? Underneath my eye hurts from doing something. But uh, they also said I wasn't supposed to do dishes or laundry, and I was like, Yeah. <laughs> And, and my wife was standing right next to me when they said that. I looked at her and the doctor's like, yeah, yeah, they all get excited about that part. And uh, so anyway, but she handed me a jar, though, this week. It was like she couldn't get it open. And she has like mason jars for everything. Like everything's mason jars. It's crazy. But um, she's not here. We have a sick kid today, so she's at home. And so I'm going to get in trouble when she watches the video. Uh, that probably won't happen either, actually. But... <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway, so she, you know, gives me this jar, and I'm just like, I gotta open it, right? I gotta do this. Have you ever tried to open something without using your eye muscle, you know? <laughs> it was a weird process, but I, I got it open, and I fulfilled my husbandly duty. And But, you know, that hard-to-open jar, it's sealed shut. And what you've got is this jar, right, is Christ. And we are in the jar, okay? We are in Christ. It says we are in Him, sealed in Him by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's the lid, right? The sealed lid. It's, it's all the way sealed. And so you want, it's like, uh, you know, you buy a Snapple and you, when you open that, you want to hear that little, like, that little, that little sound. If you don't hear that, it doesn't flip up. You're like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to drink that thing. I don't want to drink that Snapple. Or you got these canning jars, right? That have been sealed and you got to do all that stuff or like boiling it or whatever. I don't know. I've tried and I've done a terrible job, but, um, <laughs> you know, where it's specially sealed. Or when it comes to medicine or, or like a bottle cap, right, where that little thing's got to be still intact. Or can you imagine if you open an Advil that you just bought and it didn't have that little that little foil seal, right? You'd be like, ah, never mind, I'm out. You know, I don't want that. And and that's the thing. It, ha- it has lost its 
seal, that that seal, you know that it is secure, right? When it has that seal on it, you know it's safe and you trust it because of the seal that's there or the space shuttle when it connects to the space station and it's like, you know, and it's sealed shut. And, you know, when they, okay, now it's safe to be able to go through. And so we have a lot of things that if a seal is broken, stop. Like, it's not good. If there's not a seal, you don't trust it. And so, you know, that's when we question, when we question it, we, we really recognize that we, as people, we want assurances of agreements. You know, not often in this life is someone's word just good enough for people. We want a contract. We want something. Can I see that in writing, please? You know, we want it to be a, a guarantee or a warranty or, you know, these sort of a, a, of agreements or that are put into writing that then help us to feel secure with that promise or with that pledge. But, you know, even when it comes to God, we would, you know, hopefully we would just say, okay, the word of God should be enough for us. But what's so awesome is that God in his love, God in his grace, God in the way that he cares for us, even though he doesn't need to do this, he says, hey, I'm giving you this, this promise, this seal, this pledge of the Holy Spirit. Because I love you and I want you to feel secure and safe. And we can look at some different promises even of God and just see some writing about God's promises. And just check these on the screen because they're kind of long and we're going to look at a few of them. But Hebrews 6, 13 to 18 says this. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise for men swear by one greater than themselves and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. And then it says in in the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose. That God does not change, right, in that. That interposed with an oath, that God gave an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. And so he's showing us how his promises don't change, and we can be encouraged by that. You know, we can have hope, take hope in that, in the way that God keeps his promises. And then in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, he also says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. And so we were reminded here that we didn't save ourselves. We didn't do anything. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And then it continues and it says, to obtain an inheritance, which is, I love all these words here, right? Imperishable and undefiled. It will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. All this language of being secure and safe and in our anxiety about what will happen when we die. God says, I am giving you these promises that you can hold to because you are sealed by the spirit. And according to Romans 8, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit 
if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And we know that at that moment of our salvation, the Spirit of God indwells us and comes and lives within us. And that because of that, then, we are sealed by Him. Our body is that temple of the Holy Spirit who is in us. That we are His. We are not our own. All of that. That we do not have to do anything to earn the sealing. Okay, this seal. It's not like level one is you get saved and then kind of like you do some things. And then level two now you're going to get sealed by the Holy Spirit. There's none of that. It's just all right then. Same time. And we are guaranteed that by God. We don't have to join a life group to get sealed by the Holy Spirit. Okay? We don't have to go to the reach fair and sign up to serve somewhere. And then we'll get the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Like, those are good things that we want you to do, you know? But we want you to do those things because they're good for you. And they're part of living out this life as the kingdom of God. But they don't earn anything for you. And so just to illustrate this whole seal thing a little more, what it actually really is, is not a Snapple bottle, okay, or an Advil bottle or whatever. It is from, this language comes from a signet ring of, like, a king or some sort of authority or ruler or even business person or whoever it's just it's the signet ring that they would wear that has their symbol on it okay and so they have their ring with their symbol and then it is that whole process where they take wax and you've got some sort of maybe some sort of document or uh it could even be other things as, as we'll talk about a little bit but where they take the wax and they melt it and then they put their seal upon it and you see a bunch of documents there and then this is that whole melting wax and you can see see that person's seal and then you can tell too after it's dried when someone goes to open it that bottom right is where then that seal has been broken right and you know that it's opened you know that it's been seen and and all that and so that's really where this whole thing comes from but according to that and according to the way these sorts of seals worked uh we can you know we can know a few things about then that like about what god is doing when he says you are sealed and this sealing signifies four things And we'll just quickly go through them. The first is security, okay? That we can feel secure. That the tomb of Christ had a seal upon it from Pilate. That this seal was not to be opened without Pilate's permission. Now, God didn't need Pilate's permission, so he opened it. But um, that was the whole point of that seal, was that it would be secure, okay? Like even Daniel in the lion's den, it was sealed, and that he would be, it would be secure until the king gave permission for it to be opened. The, the next would be authenticity, okay? That the seal provides authenticity. It authenticates who this message is from. Okay, so that you can know that if this thing has the seal, because the seal is, the the ring is unique, right, to that person, to that king, let's say, that then uh, this is saying this comes from the king, that we have the seal of God upon us, right, that we are from him. God's stamp on us shows that we are these authentic citizens of his kingdom. And then it also shows ownership, ownership, that Whoever, you know, these seals could be placed on on deeds uh, to show that they are owned by the person who has put their their stamp upon it. That we are owned by God. That we have the seal of God upon our lives. And then finally, uh, it signifies authority. 
that those who possessed the seal or a decree or something with the seal of the king, they had authority to be able to then go out and do the will of the king that was showed by the seal. And so when we have this seal, it is not just so that we can feel safe and secure and good. It is also a sense of, of a marching orders or a mandate for our lives that we are now going out with not just a passion to, or not just a feeling of security, but a feeling of passion that we would go out and fulfill the will of God because we have that seal. We have the marching orders with the Holy Spirit seal upon it. And now we are going to go out and do as he has called us to do and gifted us to do. That's where this, even this whole better together thing comes into this message that we are together living out the purposes of the king as he has put his seal upon us. And we can even look at this whole sense of looking into the future when we think about this pledge part of it is that that we know that we are given a glimpse now of the amazing beauty of being one together and with God in the future. That we're, we're living part of that out now, but it can be fulfilled even more. Now, the thing with sin, however, sin is an effort to feel secure in anything other than God. Okay? Sin is often an effort to be secure in anything other than God. Because God wants us to only feel secure in Him. We should only find that security in Him. And so that's why you could take things that, you know, wouldn't be a sin or shouldn't be a sin, even, you know, even if that's like shopping or watching TV or something like that, or often where, you know, drinking alcohol, okay, without being drunk is technically not a sin. But when we find, you know, if you begin to drink alcohol to help you feel secure, to help you feel safe or comforted in some way, whoop, that you know, that thing that was innocent flipped over to sin, okay? And so that's where we have to recognize what in our life, whether it's that or even like something as mundane as watching TV or shopping, is like when does that become something where we are trying to find our security in it or fulfillment, whatever that might be. So God wants us to feel secure in him. And then now, as we mentioned, you know, we want to feel passionate Passionate because of the pledge that is given of our inheritance, okay, of the Holy Spirit. It says, the next half of the, of the passage says, the Holy Spirit who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That this whole thing, this pledge or this view, this view is like a glimpse. We're given a glimpse of the future, by the Holy Spirit, this pledge of our inheritance is, it's almost, it's, it could be thought of like a down payment, or it could even be thought of even maybe better as like an engagement ring, okay, that has been given for something even greater into the future. That we know that the Holy Spirit, when he says the Holy Spirit is given to you now as a pledge of something to come or a view to something to come, this foretaste, like, you know, that, that Blessed Assurance song, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, right? And this this moment, these moments now, as we worship Him and as we serve Him and as we have the Holy Spirit with us, we've got this little bit of a of a glimpse or a foretaste 
of that beauty that is to come. And uh, let me just read through to you this passage, 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 5. This is pretty awesome. I love the language here. It says, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, our bodies, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. We long for that what is what is to come. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we don't want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Okay, so we're given this glimpse, right? This little preview. And it's almost like uh, even a couple things to think about with this. Like, what are some foretastes or glimpses or previews? I, I think of like a, a movie preview. And for me, I think about the this new Star Wars, Episode 7 movies coming out like around Christmas time, right? And I remember when the preview came out and it comes across the screen. I'm like, oh, you know, Whoa. And I'm raised on Star Wars, okay? I'm like this kid that was born in 74. I just lived my life on Star Wars, okay? Now, and I just remember just like thinking like, wow, that's awesome. I want, oh my gosh, it looks so good. It's going to be amazing. And I'm just pumped up about it, right? As I'm watching the preview. And so I'm thinking about, oh, I can't wait till December when it comes out. I was, I love the preview. It was good. It was really great. But I'm so excited about what's to come. And I want to get ready. And so I had to start conning, you know, me and my brother-in-law had to con our wives into letting the kids go with us. And, you know, like we're, we're preparing. We're preparing ourselves to be able to go see it. And so we're excited for it. And I want to, I know I'm going to see it when it comes out. And then maybe like with the family later, you know, that all that kind of stuff. You're thinking about it, preparing for it, getting excited. And that's what this foretaste should do for us. That we start to get excited. It's like, uh, if you ever, I mean, think about if you're going to go to Hawaii. Okay. I mean, that sounds good right there. Okay. Paradise. And... You, you go online and you watch the little video about the hotel you're going to stay at. And you watch the video and you're, you know, you bought your, you're thinking about buying your tickets and all that. And you're watching the video and you're like, oh, look at the beach. Look at the pool. Look at the other pool. You know, look at the lobby. Look at the gardens. Look at the room. Oh my gosh. You know, and you're getting excited. And you're thinking, yes, I can't wait. Now I got to make plans. I got to work towards it. I can't wait to get there. But you're pumped up. You've been given a glimpse. You've been given a foretaste of glory divine. <laughs> And you're excited and you're, you're passionate and you're pumped up to be able to see like, you know, when we consider this with God, I want us to have this glimpse of what it's like to be with him. And it should get us excited that we want others to know about him, that we want to fulfill his kingdom on earth as much as we can to be praying for that as he commanded us to do and to be reaching, you know, reaching out and sharing this faith with others and serving those in need and, you know, caring for one another and all of that. It should pump us up in that kind of way that we're passionate and excited to see what can happen. And so we know that we haven't got it fully yet. But we've got a glimpse now. We're in heaven now because heaven is where the presence of God is. The presence of God is all around us. But it's still not yet, right? It is now, but not yet. Like we're, we've got a taste, but we're waiting for more. We, we have more to come. And it should breed then passion to serve together 
through our uniquely different spiritual gifts. Okay? To serve, to reach. That God, the Holy Spirit of God, as he seals you, when he indwells you, he gives every believer spiritual gifts uniquely to each of us, right? That we would all have at least a spiritual gift from God to be able to use it. We are not given a spiritual gift to save it and to keep it nice and safe and clean and protected and unused. That's not the point, you know? It's like the people that buy, and if this is you, I'm sorry, but like, you know, like to buy a toy when you're a kid and then keep it in the packaging, you know, to sell it or something. And I was always a kid, especially, you know, I was so confused. Like, why would you ever do that? I want to play with it, right? And that's the thing. Like, don't just, you don't have a spiritual gift to be able to, to not unwrap it, you know? You want to unwrap it. It's like, uh, the church of God has been given th- this gift to use to fulfill the great purposes of God. And it's like, sometimes it can be like a basement, a cellar full of the most wonderful vintages of wine that are being saved and never opened, you know? It could be these things that are, are just saved and never used. And God says, no, use it, right? Like you've been given the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit of God to use it. And so when we have something like a reach fair today out in the lobby, it's because we want to see the purposes of God fulfilled here at Calvary, in our community, and around the world. And we are in that together. And we are better together as we go out and serve God together. And so that's why I want to encourage you to go out there and check those things out and to be a part of doing all of that. And we, we want to serve together. And then we also want to have not just a passion to serve, but a passion to worship as, as the passage ends, just talking about to the praise, the glory of God. We would worship God passionately because of who he is and what he has done and that we know that we have been given this seal, this security, and this gifting. And we say, God, thank you so much. And so with hearts of gratitude, we worship him for who he is and what he has done. And so what we're going to do now is we've been doing in this whole Better Together series is that we've had these ways that we want us to, you know, I know we haven't done like you know, you don't stand up and shake hands or whatever and all that. Because we were trying to give you guys, like all of us, time to get up, not just shake a hand, but then have a conversation. Okay, that's the whole point of this. That we feel like what we need to do is actually, you know, know each other a little bit. You know, introduce yourselves to one another, get to know one another, and then talk. Like, let's talk about this stuff. Like, how can we do it? We know that these times of conversation are kind of like a pledge of your inheritance of the conversation that you can fully have later, okay? And it's a glimpse into the, you know, three to five minutes of that conversation that we hope that you will then really be able to fully live out uh, later, maybe over lunch or coffee or something with someone that you meet. And that could be really cool if you get to know them a bit. So what we want to do is you'll, in a moment, you'll stand up, you'll gather with, like, not just the person next to you, but, like, maybe, like, four or five people, three, four, five people, something like that, and, and turn and talk to one another and talk about this. These questions will be up there. They're also in your outlines if uh, if you want. But is there a specific cause or area which God has given you a unique passion for? Is there a way you're currently serving in your area of spiritual gifts? If not, is there a way that you'd like to get involved? You know, just kind of talk about this whole thing, this this passion to serve with your unique spiritual gifts. And 
Maybe you're, you might be like, I don't know what that means or I don't know what that is. Well, then just, that's fine. Just say that. And let's talk about it more. Well, how we can learn more in the next steps. We even have in, in the outline some ways that you can help discover some of that more about yourself coming up. So anyway, let's go ahead. Uh, let me pray for us and then we'll break into our conversation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your care. And we pray, Lord, that as we discuss that you would just use this time of conversation to bring about even more growth in our lives in ways that we can see and really get a good glimpse into how your spirit is working in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so stand up. Everybody stand up and then find some folks to talk to you. Go for it. <laughs>